the reading of Holy Scripture tonight comes from Exodus 20 and then Galatians 3. So Exodus um, 21 to 21, and then if you put your, your finger in your, your Bible for Galatians 3, 23 through 4, 7. If you'll stand for the reading of God's Word. Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. This is God's word. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it... You shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, When all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear. For God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off, while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Galatians 3, beginning at verse 23. Now, before faith came... 
we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into, you, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. By his grace and mercy may it be preached for you. You may be seated. And as we come to consider these portions of God's word, let us pray for his help. Father God, uh, as we come to consider again your law, would you help us to see things here that are encouraging to us? That we might know our position in Christ and how that relates to commands that still uh, abide as the guiding rule for how to live the life that you have given us. And as we think about how you have delivered your moral law to us in different ways across history, we ask that you'd help us gain clarity on, on why the Ten Commandments are still abiding uh, for us today when, when there are so many things that don't apply, certainly not in the same way as previously. So teach us that we might have a deeper understanding of the full scope of your word and how to understand it together. Overcome the deficiencies of the preacher, they are many, and bless the reading and the preaching of your word to bring forth fruit in our hearts, to love you more, to serve you better. We ask it all in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Uh, for a, a few summers in college... <laughs> Uh, I, I worked in a burrito restaurant um, with a guy named Ivan from Moldova, the fitting combination, right? Uh, he was a real character. Now, one essential part, uh, at least in my opinion, of any Mexican menu is cheese dip. And although I'm not sure how they do it at other Mexican restaurants, ours, our cheese dip came... Um, <laughs> These big bags that were heated and then poured into a serving tray. I, I'm not naming this place for a reason. Um, now, now, one day, Ivan thought he found 
what was this special tool for cutting open these bags of cheese. Uh, and so he, he had this bag gripped at the top uh, and you know the weight of the cheese down here at the bottom and he, he takes this slicing tool, you see, I hope you see where this is going, and, and he just runs it across. Uh, and Ivan was left holding this little piece of bag <laughs> while all this cheese <laughs> fell all over the ground um, and went everywhere. Now, when we realize that our record of the Ten Commandments is contained in the biblical literature given to Israel as God made a covenant with them at Mount Sinai, it raises some important questions. And Christians, at least by and large, accept and should accept that most Mosaic laws do not apply to us in light of Christ's coming. We no longer make animal sacrifices And we don't feel uh, obliged to observe the ceremonies from Israel's religious life. So that part of the law given to Israel has gone away. It's been fulfilled and abrogated. We don't uphold civil laws about how to prevent or punish improper care of our livestock. Now we may have laws that resemble that, but, but they aren't the ones that come out of the Mosaic legislation. The the civil laws have gone away too, expired. Now, when we think about how the Ten Commandments are revealed, though, in combination with so many other laws that we don't feel obliged to observe, the, the question, the main question in some ways that arises is, why are we setting aside the other legal obligations that God's people had under God's covenant with Israel, but were keeping the Ten Commandments. It might seem like we're making Ivan's mistake as we try to hold on to a little piece of this covenant and making a mess of all the rest of it. Now, the thing is, there are two sides of this question. On the one hand, why has most of the Mosaic Law been set aside? So that's, that's one side of this. On the other hand, why have Christians seen the Ten Commandments as having this enduring place uh, into the New Covenant for guiding the Christian life, as has been the case really until recent times? The problem, as I see it, is that these two questions are too big to take on in one sermon. Um, and so the, the main issue in, in both of them is, is why we hold on to the Ten Commandments. I mean, so why we would have a sermon series applying them today and affirm that they still govern our ethics now. But uh, we're going we're gonna to answer that question directly. You know, why, why keep these ten still today? We're going to answer that directly next time. And so this time, we're thinking through why the Mosaic Covenant, with all the other obligations 
under its law has been set aside. And then we'll, we'll find our reason next time for, for why these still have abiding value. Now the issue before us then is what was happening as God made this covenant about which we just read at Mount Sinai, which contained the Ten Commandments and its laws, what should we understand the purpose of, of this arrangement to have been? And why did it go away with the coming of Christ? What value does it still hold in instructing Christians today? And so our main point, I tried to get this shorter. It's not my shortest one ever. Um, It's not my longest one ever. (laughs) But the Mosaic Covenant teaches us why it's good to have the Ten Commandments as merely a guide for faithful living before God. The, The Mosaic Covenant teaches us why it's good to have the Ten Commandments as merely a guide to living faithfully before God. And our three points are testing, temporary, and teaching. So first, let's think about testing. Uh, the Mosaic Covenant, had, you know, this covenant that God made with Israel at Sinai, Uh, has a complex, layered role in history as God relates to his people and gives them grace and drives drives events towards Christ's coming. Lots of people assume that God was harsher or less gracious during the Old Testament. I mean, I can't tell you... How many times I've been asked, you can't see how God is kinder in the New Testament? And I usually reply by saying, well, since you've read the whole Bible, which passages do you have in mind from Old and, to, uh, Old and New Testaments that so clearly make this contrast? And I usually don't get an answer um, I, you, if they keep speaking to me at all. <laughs> There are aspects of the Mosaic Covenant that that might suggest this misunderstanding if we don't read the Bible with care. And the trick is that we need to see clearly that, that those features of God's covenant with Israel serve a very specific purpose in teaching them and us about our need for God's grace. So they teach us about grace rather than do they indicate any sort of change in God from Old Testament or New Testament. Or or neither do they indicate any sort of change in the, the ground for which God gives us to be right with Him. Now we get, we get insight into those features even, even at the close of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, 18 to, so verses 18 to 21, there, Moses writes, summarizing the reaction that the people had after hearing the reading of the law. 
So now, when all the people saw the thunder and flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountains smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak to us. It's an astounding thing to say. Lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you. Which doesn't sound like a relieving thing to say. That the fear, but we'll see, I I think we'll come to why as we go. That the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. So the people's reaction here to, to hearing the law shows that, I mean, it clearly prompted uncomfortable feelings, to say the least. The storms, noise, and fire accompanying the law terrified the, the people, leaving them trying to get some, some distance from God. And, and tellingly, they wanted Moses to go to God on their behalf. They wanted him to serve as a mediator, the go-between. That's a really scary place to be, Moses. Why don't don't you go? We'll, We'll stay here. They knew that in light of the law, they would need someone to intercede on their behalf. If this is, if this is the condition of our relationship to the Lord... We're up the creek without a paddle. Now, we thought last time about how the law could be given as a covenant or as a rule. Now, just to remind us, uh, as a covenant, the law comes as a, a condition for obtaining a reward. Right? As a rule... The law guides us in how to live a faithful life. So there's not the potential of earning a reward when it's the rule. It's just the direction we need for the right way to go. In Exodus 20, the people's reaction shows that the law was coming with the appearance of... Now, I'm putting this really carefully, so I hope you hear me. The people's reaction shows that the law was coming with the appearance of a condition. In Hebrews 9, verse 28 through 10, 1, the writer explains why. Since the Mosaic law had an appearance that looked threatening, as, as its appearance was less obviously was less obviously like the grace that was coming in Christ. And so Hebrews says, Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Because the law, since having a shadow of the coming good things, but not the exact appearance of these realities, is never able to perfect those who draw near 
by the annual sacrifices themselves, which they continually offer. Let me read that, that key part. Because the law, since having the shadow, so it has a shadow of good things coming in Christ, but it doesn't have the exact appearance of these realities, is never able to perfect those who draw near in itself. In other words, in other words, Lots of features of, of the Mosaic Covenant made it look like the law was given strictly as a covenant, as a condition. Things about this arrangement made it look that way. It looked like it was a condition for the people in their relationship with God. Despite that appearance, which really was a feature of, of how God shaped and delivered this covenant, it, Moses informed them that the law, as, as part of God's covenant with them, had a very specific purpose. Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. And so... He sees that the, the people are thinking, this is a condition for how we're going to be right with God. The law wasn't a strict condition for how they're going to relate to God, but it was for their testing as his people. They shouldn't have been afraid if they understood the law rightly as a rule for righteousness. They failed to see it as such. And so they, they treated this moral law as a condition to obtain something from God by their works, which sinners can never do. And that brings us to our second point. So the first was the law wasn't a condition, but was for testing his people in a specific way. And our second point is that it's temporary. And, and so what I want to do here is, is try to take a few minutes to, to show how... Um, because I'm aware somebody might be thinking, really? <laughs> are, are you serious? I, I want to show how the New Testament confirms what I'm suggesting here. Uh, and so uh, I've tried to show how God gave the Ten Commandments uh, as part of his covenant with Israel with a specific purpose in history for testing his people uh, in, in a real way. Uh, even though the moral law was not revealed to Israel as a real condition for how each of them could be in a relationship with God, God did reveal it in such a way as to make it look threatening. I mean, that's what's going on with the storms, the thunder, the flashes of lightning. That appearance, though, that appearance had a kind purpose behind it. A kind purpose was behind even that threatening appearance. We have this tendency to think that, that we could do well enough, that, that God might reward us for our works. I mean, even when we know better, you know, in our, in our minds... We, we have these internal slips 
where we default back to, to thinking that we could be good enough that God might do something for us. E- even if it's just that our obedience might be the reason that he, he keeps loving us or growing in his love for us or, or you know, spares us from some sort of bad thing. But, but the Mosaic Covenant came with this really threatening presentation of the law to show us how that isn't true. We are supposed to learn from this presentation of the law to to turn away from our works. Knowing that, I mean, the law means that we need a mediator to stand between us and God. We're supposed to learn the same lesson that Israel was perceiving in the very moment, right? So that we too would learn to ask for someone to go speak to God on our behalf. We want somebody to speak to God for us. When the law comes to us with its threats, it's supposed to teach us to run to Christ. And God needed to teach his people that lesson, but is also a kind thing for God to do, isn't it? So he never intended that that covenant that came with such constant reminders of, well, failure and threats, he never intended it to last forever because he's kind. Paul tells us in Galatians that the Mosaic Covenant always had an expiration date on it, even from the moment that God made it with Israel. Uh, so, if, if, so here I'm, I'm thinking about Galatians 3 and 4, um, and, and throughout Galatians 3, Paul explained the difference uh, between Abraham and Moses, between the Abrahamic covenant and this covenant at Sinai, highlighting how the the promise of grace had come to Abraham long before the law came to Israel through Moses. The law under Moses couldn't be a a real condition for earning spiritual blessing from God Because God doesn't change the terms on his people. So starting then at at Galatians 3.23, Paul noted how that was exactly this Mosaic covenant was temporary. So now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So God made this covenant from the very beginning with the expiration date of Christ's arrival. He was going to go off, right? You couldn't sell it anymore once Christ came. 
It was designed to threaten so that people would know their need for a Savior and rejoice when he arrived. It was temporary so that it could give way to a covenant with a clearer display of grace. And that brings us to the final point, teaching. So we've seen that it was for testing, we've seen that it was temporary, and now we're thinking about teaching. Why? Why would this be the case? This, this seems kind of complicated. Why did God have to make it so complicated as he related to his people across history? Um, why did the, and so to put it a different way though, why did the Mosaic Covenant help by serving that temporary testing role until Christ came. If this is kind of complicated, why did God do it? Why is it good for people? Why is it good for God's people that it was that way? It taught us all something important about what Christ would do for us. Paul explained this in the first three verses of Galatians 4. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Drawing on the point that he'd just made, um, upon uh, about the Mosaic Covenant being a guardian with an uh, imprisoning effect, he, he widens the point to say that as, as long as they were imprisoned in that way, they were enslaved to what he names as the elementary principles of the world. In other words, the th- the threatening effect that the law had for people with Moses has some relationship to what was happening in the entire world. Right now, maybe maybe you've been to um, a really nice building at some point, like a like a castle or something like that, and. When you, when you enter the main room, you know, the, the lobby or the foyer, whatever you want to call it, that inside this grand building, you know, to show you that it's an important building, <laughs> they have a little scale model of, of the building inside it. They know their, mil- they know their building's nice, uh, but they also know you can't see the whole thing. <laughs> And at least not all of it clearly. And so they give you this smaller model, this smaller depiction to help you take in the big picture. I can see it right there compressed in front of me. And so I realize that's what's going on around me. And God did that with Israel under the law. The whole world stood condemned by our sin, which entered because Adam had broken the law that he had in the garden. 
and to give us a clearer depiction of what was true of the whole creation under these elementary principles of the world, under the the law of nature, right? As sinners rebelling against our maker, to give us a clearer picture of that, God crafted the Mosaic Covenant to accentuate, to emphasize the law's threatening capacity. The Mosaic Covenant was a, a scale model of how the law threatens every sinner and condemns us. And the Mosaic Covenant ended when Christ came because Christ is the way that we are all freed from the law's curse. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, so when God had made his point about all of this sufficiently, and the, the whole Old Testament history was long enough to communicate that. The time under the law, when they couldn't get it right in the nation, when they went into exile, the point became clear. If you're trying to get rewards from God by your works, it's not going to happen. And so when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. And who did he redeem? Everyone who comes to him by faith. We're all in this capacity in some sorts, condemned by the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. The Lord came under the law to bear its curse for us. He fulfilled the Mosaic law because it was a small-scale depiction of how he fulfilled the law for all of us, not just Jews, but Gentiles alike. He had borne its curse and kept its terms to make us right with God. And so the law's teaching shows us our need for Christ and points us to all that he's done for us. Let's pray. Father God, we are glad indeed that we can set aside uh, so many of the complexities of how you dealt with your people in ages past. That uh, new covenant worship is simple. Uh, It is non-demanding from the perspective of what people had to do Uh, in different administrations of your covenant of grace. And so we're thankful that Christ has freed us from the true burden of the curse of the law. And he's also freed us from all of the things that you gave to your people to teach us in such a pointed way our need for him. And so we pray that in the week before us we might learn to appreciate that freedom in a new and deeper way And that that might prepare us to come back next week to think about the way that we express our appreciation. Namely, as it's the the guide to our gratitude is summarized in the Ten Commandments. And so we ask that you'd help us in all these ways and many more. We ask it for the sake of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Would you stand to receive your benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all this day and forevermore. And all of God's people say, Amen. Good to be with you today.